Our first reading comes from the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. Our second reading comes from 1 Samuel, chapter 17, verses 23 and 24, and then 27 through 37. Suddenly, the champion named Goliath, the Philistine from Gath, came forward from the Philistine battle line and shouted his usual words, which David heard. When all the Israelite men saw Goliath, they retreated from him terrified. David spoke to the men who were standing with him. What will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Just who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? The people told him about the offer, concluding, that is what will be done for the man who kills him. Now a side note, this offer was the reward that King Saul was offering to anyone who could take down Goliath. And that offer was marriage to his daughter and a lifetime tax exemption. So it was a pretty good deal for the champion. David's oldest brother, Eliab, listened as he spoke to the men and became angry with him. Why did you come down here, he asked. Who did you leave those few sheep with in the wilderness? I know your arrogance and your evil heart. You came down to see the battle. What have I done now, protested David. It was just a question. Then he turned from those beside him to others in front of him and asked about the offer. The people gave him the same answer as before. What David said was overheard and reported to King Saul. So he had David brought to him. David said to Saul, don't let anyone be discouraged by him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. But Saul replied, you can't go fight this Philistine. You're just a youth, and he's been a warrior since he was young. David answered Saul, your servant has been tending his father's sheep. Whenever a lion or a bear came and carried off a lamb from its flock, I went after it, struck it down, and rescued the lamb from its mouth. If it reared up against me, I would grab it by its fur, strike it down, and kill it. Your servant has killed lions and bears. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. Then David said, the, word, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. This is the word of the Lord. I heard this story that a preacher was telling one time after he had gone to a church and was the guest preacher for the day. He said that this woman came up after the service and wanted to talk to him. She had told him about how her husband did not have faith in the Lord. She then explained how for 37 years, faithfully, every day, she prayed for his salvation. Even when it looked like nothing was happening, and even though her heart hurt because her husband wouldn't come to church with her and her family, she still continued to press in and pray. And then one Sunday, all of a sudden, much like an ordinary Sunday like today, her husband got up and said to her, I think I'd like to go to church with you today. Well, she was absolutely stunned and taken aback, but she jumped at the opportunity. So he went to church with her. 
The service was ordinary like any other Sunday. Nothing new or changed happened, except that this Sunday, her husband gave her life to the Lord. 37 long years of praying for her husband to come to the faith. And just like that, in one second, it all came together in that one moment, and her husband accepted the Lord. That faithful belief in what God could do and that faithful commitment to prayer had all come to pass right at that moment. We read from our scripture today from Hebrews that to have faith is to be sure of the things that we hope for, to be certain of the things that we cannot see. So for 37 years, this woman believed that God would answer her prayer. She believed that God was capable of drawing her husband to faith in him even though with her own eyes, she saw no evidence that God was doing anything. It didn't look like any change was happening to her husband, and it certainly didn't look like God was going to answer her prayers. It looked hopeless, but that's when her faith came into play. When it looks like we've lost the fight or that there's no possible way, and we stand firm on God's word and yet refuse to believe that God cannot do it, we fight for our faith. Faith really does require a fight. Our faithfulness is a fight. In and of our own strength, we cannot remain faithful every moment. But when we walk in the fruit of the Spirit, when we're led by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the one who fuels us. He fuels our faith and our strength to continue to walk. Now that faith is a very powerful tool that the Lord gives us. It can combat a lot of things in this world. So naturally, it is something that Satan would like to attack. He would like to take our faith out from underneath us. And one of his strategies about challenging our faith is he wants to cast doubt and fear on it. Because fear will paralyze our faith, but faith will paralyze our fear. And at times we come to points in our lives where we have to choose. Are we going to let the fear paralyze our faith? Or are we going to put our faith into action and let it paralyze the fear? Faith is just like every one of those other eight qualities where we have to tend to it. We have to nurture it. It needs to grow. It needs to be rooted deeper and deeper and deeper inside of us so that we can put it into action. But that process sometimes can get a little tainted because sometimes we fall into the, the trap of believing that our faith or our perceptions or our feelings are the facts. That what we see with our eyes or what we feel is so overwhelming or we get so focused on that that we can't see beyond the circumstance we're in or we can't feel anything else than we can in that move, moment. And then we treat those feel, feelings like they are the facts the absolute truth and the basis for our faith. But our feelings are always gonna come and go. They're gonna have highs and lows like a roller coaster. And every situation that we walk through in life is going to affect our feelings. But our feelings do not dictate God's faithfulness. And our feelings do not change God's truth. But we must guard ourselves from falling into that because once we base our faith on our feelings, we can easily and quickly get disappointed. Because when God does answer us, 
Sometimes that answer doesn't make us feel better. Sometimes that answer doesn't make us feel good and give us warm and fuzzies. Sometimes that answer is an answer that we thought, mm, I think my way of answering that would have been better. Or that's not really how I wanted God to answer it. And then we're thrown a whole array of other emotions. And before we know it, it's tumbling out of control. And now we're in a place of starting to doubt God. Our faithfulness mirrors what we believe about God's faithfulness. So if there are areas in our own life, and we all have them, areas in which we doubt or areas which we're struggling, we are less likely to remain faithful in those areas. Think about that in terms of relationships or causes that you might want to support. If you don't truly trust or believe in that person or that cause, you may step back a little bit, put up a guard, put up some protection. You won't be completely devoted to that person or that cause if you can't fully trust him. Now, when we look at that woman in the story, she was able to remain faithful in her prayers and her belief that God would answer because she knew God was true. We can look at that all through the Bible, how many times God has proven himself to be true. Look at all the giants of faith in the Bible, like David, for instance. He had such a strong faith at such a very young age. Now, most of you know that story of David and Goliath with the five stones and the slingshots. We love to tell that over and over. The reality is David, or Goliath was a massive giant. If you looked at him, he was huge. He was scary. He was the powerhouse of the Philistine army. And the Philistines had the Israelites paralyzed in fear. Their eyes just focused on the giant. And there's a lot of different measurements of how tall he was. And I had one that said that he was nine feet, nine inches tall. And here they see this giant yelling at him, them challenging them to send a man out. And nobody would go out. See, back in that time, that was a pretty common practice that each side would send out their champion warrior. They would go out and then they would call upon their gods and it was believed that the gods would then decide who won this battle. Now, Goliath was already out there. He, he was pretty confident that his god was going to win this battle. But not one Israelite would go out there. Not one Israelite had the faith at that moment to walk out there and call upon the one true living God, the one that they had seen through so many generations be faithful and true, ones that they knew the stories of how he parted the seas and rescued them. They were paralyzed in fear until David. And we read part of that story of David and Goliath. And it sounds like, you know, that David really was a little bit of an arrogant young man to come and be so bold and proclaim these things in front of the army, to be so bold and proclaim these things right in front of the king. But see, David drew on his past experiences to fuel his faith in that moment. Part of the reason why David's faith continued to grow is because he already went through these experiences with God and he didn't forget about God's faithfulness. He remembered all the times that God had saved him. 
So he knew that God was true, and he knew that God was trustworthy. And in that moment, as he's declaring these things and standing firm on God's promises, David mirrored what he believed about God's faithfulness. Now, let's think about it from our point of view. How many of us would want to be in David's shoes? I mean, how many of us would run forward into battle against an almost 10-foot giant with five rocks and a slingshot? None of you are raising your hands, and neither am I. I think we would all retreat in the opposite direction and run for dear life. But David, he wasn't looking through his natural eyes. He was focused on God. Instead of looking at what the circumstances said, he put his faith into action, and he paralyzed the fear that was trying to come on him. And even though he was firmly rooted in faith, that he knew who God was, he knew what God had done, and he knew what God could do, he was even challenged by people around him. His very own brother calls him out and calls him arrogant and accuses of having an evil heart. Now, as a side note, there may be some truth to that because he is a young man, and commentaries will place him between 15 and 19. For sure, he was under 20, because at 20, Israelite men were required to serve in the army. So I have a 15-year-old son, so I can understand by some of his behaviors and comments how older siblings or other people may interpret that as a bit of arrogance or overconfidence. But that was David's faith. That's where he was in his faith walk. But as you see, when we walk in faith, and even as David did, we're all going to experience his challenges. And they're all going to come at different levels, and they may even come from people close to us. And those challenges, they're meant to shake our confidence, to make us question ourselves in God. But we don't have to accept that. Because if we're rooted in our faithfulness to God and we know that God is true, we don't have to be shaken. We don't have to look at things through our natural eyes. We don't have to listen to all that people are saying to us. That's contrary to what the Word of God says. David chose not to take his brother's words to heart. It didn't shake his confidence. Instead, it actually got the attention of the king. And as David comes in before King Saul, here he is pretty much frozen in fear, the king. There's no solution. No man will fight. And Saul knew that no one could win against Goliath, at least in their very own strength. And so here's this young man that comes before him, bold and confident, and actually encourages the king. He says to Saul, don't let anyone be discouraged by him. Well, that's a pretty bold statement, especially given the circumstances that they're in, from such a young man who says this to the king of Israel. But that's where David's faith was. That's where he was mirroring what he believed about God. David knew he couldn't do this. And David knew that when he went out on that battlefield, he wasn't going to face that giant by himself. He knew that it was going to be him and God, just like it was him and God in the wilderness, just like it was him and God with the lion and the bear. Every single time it was him and God, and he was confident in knowing that he would not be alone. And because of his great faith, 
David became the avenue in which God showed himself sovereign and true. Now, their deliverance, though, didn't come easy, and it didn't come quickly. At this point of the story, the Israelites were deadlocked at a standstill for 40 days. They were tormented, filled with fear, in despair, and completely hopeless. Their fear had paralyzed them, and that is a really hard place to be. And then to look upon this young man with five stones and a slingshot and think, this is how we're going to be delivered. This is how we're going to beat the Israelites. And there's David, who's willing to stand up to fear. He's willing to go and stand up for the army of the living God. That battle between Goliath and David, it wasn't for David. David already knew what God was capable of. David already knew what God was going to do. The battle was for all the people around David. See, sometimes we are the vessels that God uses to answer prayers from others. Sometimes God uses us to deliver others from things. When we walk in the quality of faithfulness and we stand firm in our faith, we give God the opportunity to use us to show himself and to show what he can do. Now, I know I keep saying this, but it's true, and I'm going to continue to say this, that walking in the fruit of the Spirit is not all about us. Yes, it is for us, but it's also about the people around us. It's a way that God could use us to show himself to those that need to be seen. God is faithful to use our faithfulness. God could have delivered the Israelites without David. God could have done it in a multitude of ways. He didn't need David, but he used David as the instrument that he was going to show himself and remind his people who he was and what he could do. He was going to use David to reveal once again his faithfulness to his people. Now, right before that climactic fight scene between David and Goliath, David goes out on the battlefield and he declares these words to Goliath and in front of the armies. He says, today the Lord will hand you over to me. Today I'll strike you down. Then all the world will know that Israel has a God. And this whole assembly will know that it is not by sword or by spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's. He will hand you over to us. It was never about the battle exchange between David and Goliath. That didn't save the people. Those five stones in a slingshot didn't save the people. The battle was the Lord's, and God saved his people. The reality was David couldn't defeat Goliath in his own strength. No man could defeat Goliath. It really was impossible. And some of those situations that we will have to walk through or have walked through in our lives, God puts us through them, not so we could do it in our own strength, but that we could do it with him. Because if we do it in our own strength, we can't reveal God to others or point, God to, point others to God. If we did it in our own strength, then it becomes all about what we've done. Look at what I did. Look at what I accomplished. Look at how I prevailed. And then we end up leaving God out of giving credit for the accomplishment we had. 
Every accomplishment that we have in our life is an opportunity to put God front and center. And here's my catchphrase. I think I've said this in every sermon about the fruit. It takes our eyes off of ourselves and puts our eyes on God. And when we're focused on God and we're remembering what God has done for us and we are firmly rooted in knowing his promises, we will know what God will do for us. And our faith will grow and grow and it'll go deeper and deeper and deeper. Being faithful is about resting in God's faithfulness, believing that God is honest, believing that God is true, believing that we are safe in the Father's hands. And in order to do that, we have to cultivate and grow our relationship with the Lord. We have to spend time with him. We have to focus on him and not just ourselves and not just the circumstances around. We need to grow in our friendship in the Lord because one day our emotions are going to rise up in us and try to dictate to us who God is and what God can do in our circumstances. And we will need to stand faithful and firm and dictate to our emotions who God is and what God will do in our circumstances. We're always gonna have Goliath around us in our life. But when we choose to walk in the fruit of the Spirit, when we choose to be led by the Spirit, the Spirit will enable us to all be David's. So this got me thinking about Jesus and how he was so faithful to his disciples. Even when he knew his, faith, his disciples' faithfulness to him would waver. I think about Peter denying him and Judas betraying him. And I can't even wrap my mind around how he could continue to be so very faithful knowing that these would not be faithful to him. And I thought about all the emotions that must have rose up in Jesus, how it must have ached his heart and hurt him to know that those closest to him would waver. And I thought, how did you do that? Jesus was able to do that because he rested in the Father's faithfulness. He trusted the Father's plan even to the point of death. He mirrored the Father's faithfulness. He mirrored what he knew was to be true about the Father. So I think that for us, it's important for us to ask ourselves these questions. What does it look like for you to mirror the Father's faithfulness in your life? What areas of your life are you lacking faith or doubting or maybe wavering? Where do you need to be reminded about how God has already shown himself faithful and true to you? Faith is being sure of the things we hope for, to be certain of the things that we cannot see. What do we need to grow in so that we can be certain of the things that we cannot see. I'm going to leave you with the words of the prophet Jeremiah. Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish, for his mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will put my hope in him. Amen.